Hi, Smarties. Welcome to part two of our discussion of executive functioning strategies for writing. Last week, we gave you strategies one through four, and this episode is definitely a continuation of the conversation that we were having last week. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 22 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Today, we're going to continue giving you some of our favorite executive functioning strategies specifically for writing. So far, we've talked about graphic organizers, high interest subject matter, doing a brain dump, and the power of talking it out. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, episode 21 yet, definitely give that a listen in your podcast app. So we really discussed whether or not to split up this content into two episodes for you, but we've realized, and what we've heard from you, is that when our episodes are super dense and we throw out all the strategies at once, it can be hard to reflect, process, and prioritize where to start with your struggling writer. Our hope is that splitting it up into two episodes and having a gap for you to reflect You'll have a clearer picture of what you want to try with your student. Also, we've been doing a lot of interaction with you guys on our Instagram at Learn Smarter Podcast. Several of you have reached out to us personally to ask us to talk about a specific topic. And right now, we're in the process of planning out our content for the rest of 2018. So now is this time to ask us. If there is a specific question that you have or something that you'd like us to cover, Tell us at Learn Smarter Podcast on Instagram. You can also email us at LearnSmarterPodcast at Gmail. Last week, we were recording what you heard two weeks ago, and we were talking to you guys about reaching out to us and telling us what you would like to hear. And Steph and I were laughing because after we got done recording and we had the specific request from you all to connect with us so we could know what you really needed and what you really wanted. We had an email in our inbox from one of our listeners with a request, which we will probably fulfill sometime in the next couple of weeks. It's really helpful to know what you guys want. And we've been hearing from you on Instagram as well. So definitely reach out to us at Learn Smarter Podcast or Learn Smarter Podcast at gmail.com. We love chatting with you and hearing about your journey and what brought you to the podcast and what you're liking and what you want more of. Also, in the writing of this episode, we discussed at length the order in which to present this information to you. So what should be strategy number one versus strategy number nine? And here's where we landed. The order of strategies one through nine is how it makes sense to our brains and to us. If we were tailoring this episode to just elementary age students, the order and strategies would be different. The same goes for middle school and high school students, or if we were talking to just parents of students with a written expression disorder, our advice would shift just as it would to a parent of a student with autism. This is where working with us one-on-one can become so meaningful. On our strategy calls, we're able to dig into the nuances and affinities of your specific student. You can learn more about those one-on-one strategy calls by clicking on the Work With Us tab at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. So as another reminder, the strategies that we discussed last week was strategy number one, graphic organizers, 
Strategy number two, high interest subject matter. Number three was doing a brain dump. And number four was the power of talking it out. So the fifth strategy of writing is don't worry about the spelling, the grammar, the syntax, especially in the first brain dump. We've talked about this a little bit, but being upfront with your student and letting them know that this is not something that we care about right now really takes an element of pressure off. And they're a lot more willing to be vulnerable in writing. And I say this to my clients all the time. And it's a totally different thing to sit there and have to worry about the spelling, especially when I have kids that constantly say to me, I'm such a bad speller. And they're looking at me with this look on their face like they're just mortified with themselves. And the more I just keep saying, spelling doesn't matter. Spelling doesn't matter. We're just practicing writing the more that they start to feel a little bit more comfortable with taking a risk with spelling. And sometimes they actually get it right. And they're relieved. Yeah, they are so relieved. And especially when I really praise them for sounding something out and trying and they get it right. It's really important to let them know that they don't need to worry about the spelling in addition to all the things that they're worrying about with writing. I do want to dig into the spelling because I think the poor spelling can be a huge trigger for parents because it's so obvious to an adult reading what the child has produced when there's a spelling error. This is often an accommodation that we can get, particularly I can get in the private schools, is to have teachers stop focusing on the spelling because it is not the priority. Mm -mm. So if your child is a poor speller, the more important aspect of writing is not the spelling. It's your ability to communicate what you think and your ideas, have some complex reasoning and critical analysis. Those all matter so much more in life than the spelling. I will argue that we don't want to have our kids sending a professional work email with misspellings or spelling errors. And of course, we're not saying that spelling shouldn't matter because of course it does matter in a professional environment. What we're saying is, what is the priority right now? So yes, you may notice the spelling errors, but you and your husband or your wife or your co-parent and the teachers may all come together and make an agreement and say, the spelling isn't what is important right now, especially given the fact that we live in such a digital world. They're going to be made aware when they have a spelling error in a professional email. The programs all do that. The computer will tell you. So yes, spelling counts, but spelling is not everything, is my point. What matters more is that our students recognize when they've misspelled something and know what to do about it from that point on. Not necessarily the automaticity of spelling something correctly, but knowing what to do when they don't. And this is something that I definitely think we're going to dig into in future episodes is for students who really avoid writing. They really don't like editing as well. And what Steph and I are advocating is breaking every step apart. So you're actually revisiting the information multiple times, but in each step, you're doing something different. And the editing piece does matter. Recognizing a spelling mistake does matter, but that's at the end of the writing process. The sixth strategy for writing is be prepared for writing. When you read, you're probably going to get asked to write about it. So write in your books. 
So if you're wondering what we're talking about, go back and listen to episodes 17 and 18. These episodes are a two-parter on reading comprehension strategies. A lot of the visualization strategies we talk about in those episodes would absolutely support generating new thoughts or really relying on thoughts you had when you read the text rather than creating completely new ideas. So this goes back to a couple of things that we've talked about also. When we know that a book is going to have some sort of prompt at some point, I really have the kids take a step back and look at the cover, read the back, discuss what it's going to be about, discuss some of the W questions about the book, and even if they have already started it, that really gets some ideas starting to flow. So sometimes I ask the students to be the teacher. If you were giving your students an essay prompt, what would the prompt be? What is this book really about? What is the theme? Sometimes they get a little overwhelmed when they're asked all of these, what's the theme? What's the motif? What's the, all these different things. Sometimes I break it down. Is there a moral? Because kids are used to being able to identify a moral in a story from when they were little, because we do that often in books and in movies and things like that. So when we talked about in episode 20, an email being straight to the point, sometimes using something that they really like that is of high interest and helping them get to the point there and then being able to transition it to what they're working on in school. Strategy number seven is breaking apart the prompt. And if you can hear a giggle in my voice, it's because (laughs) Steph literally just said to me, you do this one because I hate this one, (laughs) which just goes to show just because we can teach it doesn't mean we always love doing this in our own lives, but (laughs) it's really critical for students to be able to understand how to take a prompt. And really, this strategy is for mostly middle school and high school students who are getting a prompt that sometimes is a paragraph long and doesn't even have a single question in it. Figuring out what you're being asked to do is essential. So I have an example here. Okay. Here's an example of a prompt. Imagine that you could give advice to someone. It could be someone you know personally, a historical figure, or a famous person living today. I will just add so far there has not been a question. Write an essay that identifies the person and the advice you would give. Still no question. Choose a familiar subject so that you can provide details and elaboration that explain why this person needs your advice. So this was the first PDF to pop up when I Googled middle school writing prompt. Did you guys hear a question? There was no question. No question. Students look at this and they don't know how to translate it into a question. First of all, you have to make a decision in sentence one. Who are you going to give advice to? That's the first step of this assignment. Then you have to write an essay that identifies the person. The second task is you have to have a paragraph identifying the person. The third part is the advice you would give. Choose a familiar subject so that you can provide details. Ugh, number four, I need to make sure that there's details in everything. And step five is you need to make sure that you explain why you're giving this advice. Well, now I've just given you five tasks to do from that one prompt, but it's not helpful for me to be able to do it. And certainly when I model this in session and a student is just learning how to interpret a prompt, their jaw drops open. 
I oftentimes will cut and paste the prompt into a new Google Doc and I separate it where I see each paragraph being. And literally just double spacing it identifies it for them. When you just see this paragraph, it's super intimidating. But if I have five separate tasks on my to-do list for this particular essay, it's actually going to be seven because at the end, number six is going to be write an introduction and number seven is going to be write a conclusion. It is suddenly so much more manageable. And I've just interpreted that prompt and made it really, really clear on what to do. But if your student doesn't have experience with it, this is something that you can absolutely step in and show them. Steph, I want to make sure we talk about why I said number six and number seven was writing the introduction and number seven was writing the conclusion. We do not advocate that you start at the beginning when it comes to writing. Definitely not. Just like we've talked about a thesis, you don't start with the thesis. This is revolutionary. We know if you're a teacher, your head may be exploding right now, but hear us out. Sometimes students don't know. Sometimes when they're answering the beginning parts of the prompt, suddenly it all becomes apparent to them what they're really trying to communicate. And they can look at their paragraphs and at that point, oh, my thesis is fill in the blank. It becomes really obvious. Putting the burden at the beginning before they know what they've written is a huge stopgap. We just want to get it started. Let's get something on the page, which is a constant refrain that you hear from us. Can I share an anecdote? Sure. Let me just throw in. Yeah. A lot of times I see papers that come back that say you didn't support your thesis. Right. In the paper. And this is what we're talking about. They probably didn't. (laughs) Right. Of course they didn't because they probably came up with something that has a lot of words that sounded fancy and they don't even know what it was that they were trying to convey rather than going backward and then coming up with what they've already been able to say. So I think it's really important that we recognize that there is really a difference between the two. We're giving you permission to throw out everything that you know to be true about writing. We were all taught, start with the end in mind. Start with the thesis in mind. If you don't know the end, it's impossible. I just created, I call it a study plan. And if you want to learn more about how to create a study plan, I believe that was episode four, which we will link to in the show notes. But I was creating a plan of action with a high school student who's new to the practice, and the last thing that I was having him do in writing his paper was the introduction and conclusion, just like how we've discussed. And he kind of looked at me, and he's like, why? Why is that at the end? I've always been taught that you start in the beginning and you make it to the end. And I explained to him, the introduction is meant to let the reader know what they're going to be reading. And then the introduction and conclusion should be somewhat cohesive. Write them next to each other. There's nothing that says you have to write in order in the text. Guys, we're in a technological age. Copy and paste. But write them next to each other so you can see, yes, I'm being consistent. I'm being true to the themes in the paragraphs that I've written out. This is us giving you permission to throw the rule book out completely. Steph, did that help with your avoidance of explaining a prompt? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, No, I was just thinking I need to do more of it using my computer because most of my students don't have a computer. I'm doing a lot of this with things that aren't typed out already. Mm. And I think that it will be a little bit easier for everybody involved 
if I just type it out real quick. I think so. I think so. I didn't realize how much you were doing on pen and paper. Most things I have to do on pen and paper. I think that's something that you can absolutely do digitally. And we both do things digitally. And it's much easier. For sure. I do have another high school student, and this was like a personal professional victory for me as he came in and he had had an essay already assigned and he had already separated the prompt on his Google Doc. Nice. And had written in an outline in each section. And then I just looked at him and I'm like, this is how you should be responding to it. The question is right there. He was literally writing the answer within the prompts, which is exactly what I would tell him to do because your themes are right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Look, the technology piece is great. The fact that we can copy and paste a paragraph is really a cut above what was happening 100 years ago, right? So we should take advantage of that. Yeah, agreed. So the eighth strategy is how to help with analysis. I feel like all of this could be its own episode, don't you? I feel like you guys are going to get some really detailed episodes on all these different things. Yeah, for sure. If you want. Hit us up at Learn Smarter Podcast and let us know. (laughs) Here's the thing. We're giving you and your student, depending on who's doing this, because this could be a college student or you could be a grad student, permission to guess and then go with it. Here's the thing about analysis. It's not concrete and some of it is opinion. But Analysis can really, really be tricky for a lot of people. And really knowing and understanding and breaking down what it is that you're trying to analyze is the first step, right? Yeah. So a lot of kids will try to analyze the whole thing all at once, but it's really important to break down specifically what you want to analyze within each of the prompts. Can I share something that I used to do in college? Yeah. So if I had to write an essay, I would go in and pre-identify three or four quotes that I knew were kind of meaty. I knew they were meaty quotes, but I didn't know how they related to each other. And I didn't know the thesis. But I knew that there was something there. And I would start writing paragraphs around these separate quotes That had seemingly nothing to do with each other. (laughs) Amazing. And suddenly I would have an essay. I would be left with all these disconnected paragraphs. I would walk away from it. And then I would come back and realize that there is an actual structure to this. And I could create a thesis out of what I had written. And then I would just write the transitional sentences and the intro and conclusion. Let's encourage this. <laughs> Let's totally encourage this. And I want to highlight that you walked away. Yes. So remember, please don't you yourself or your student sit down and try to bust out an essay in a couple of hours all in one day. The day before it's due. This is the hardest way to write an essay. And it's not going to be great. And you're not going to have had any time to self-reflect. And I'm sure you're sitting there and we're preaching to the choir. Yes, in an ideal world, we wouldn't procrastinate and wait till the last day. But students procrastinate when things are hard and when they're uncomfortable to start. That's why we've given so many strategies about getting started. Because I can't tell you how many times a student comes into session and they have a project. And we spend 5, 10 minutes just even thinking about it, talking about it, strategizing about it. And suddenly the wheels are turning. Yeah. And there's less pressure. And they've started thinking about it before the day it's due. 
Obviously, you need a mechanism to plan for your time and listen to episode two, How to Calendar. It's a very popular episode of ours to understand how to take control of your time in order to not be that last minute student. The other element of how to help with analysis is to learn how to ask why questions. And you could literally ask a why question to any statement, and that why question will lead to more insight and more explanation, and you'll be forced to write more. And that can go on forever. Forever. Rachel, why are your headphones white? Because I preferred the white ones while you wanted the black ones. (laughs) Why? I thought they were cleaner looking. See, there you go. There's a perfect example of a double Y. It wasn't just that she liked them. She thought that they were cleaner looking. I didn't even know that until we did that little exploration stuff. (laughs) My headphones are white, Steph's are black, and my microphone is gold and Steph's microphone is blue. We're individuals. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) We hope that your big takeaway, particularly from this episode, is that writing isn't linear. Reading is linear. But writing and the production of language and the production of thoughts and ideas and the written expression of ideas is not a linear process for the majority of us. Some of us are very blessed and can start at the beginning and get to the end. Most of us hop around, skip around in the middle, and we take advantage of the technology and later put it all together. Be sure to connect with us at Learn Smarter Podcast on Instagram or www.learnsmarterpodcast.com or send us an email, learnsmarterpodcast at gmail.com. Are y'all noticing a theme? <laughs> if you'd like to book a strategy session with us, you can find us any of those ways. We personally read everything and we will reply. Have a great week, you guys. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. <laughs>